All right, everyone, here we are with another episode of the Summoning Hour podcast. Wait, news. We are now just the Check Your Six podcast. That's right, it's been split off into its own podcast. Now we can have a one-stop shop and not have to sort through any of the other episodes of the podcast to find the ones that are specific to Rainbow Six collegiately. And once again with me tonight is Syntax GG. How's it going? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? A quiet week, so I can watch all the VODs of the Pro League and any of the collegiate games that have gone on. It's been a great week for me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. What do you want to start off with? Do you want to start off with CR6, or do you want to start off with Pro League? Let's do CR6. Let's check this out. Okay. So one thing I just wanted to call out is the actual standings for how things have gone so far. This is actually starting to get interesting, and we should have some more data on individual performance starting on Saturday, so we'll incorporate that into next week's episode. But even just after two weeks of play and only a handful of teams having started to report, we're starting to see familiar faces in the top spots for the teams who have played two games. And we've got FIU, Florida International University. We've got Illinois State. We've got UNC Charlotte B team and A team. So two of the UNC Charlotte already 2-0. So that's a great start for them. And they're the only teams that I saw so far who have multiple teams who are 2-0. So that's a great first step for those programs as well. Grand Canyon University is back up there. Iowa State's back here. Angelo State, 2-0 once again. They were one of the teams that I believe made it through six or seven weeks where last season where they were undefeated. So this was a stacked team last year, and I want to dive into the roster and see who's remained from last year's team to see how cohesive of a unit that they're going to be. One last school, South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. They were the team that knocked out Washington State University's chances last year of going into the playoffs. So curse you but they're back 2-0 so good on them good on them for holding up and we'll see how they stack up against the rest of the teams who are returning yeah absolutely the one team that i see that i recognize so far obviously is fiu wait yeah fiu and then there's also grand canyon university on the first episode i remember saying that i wanted to see grand canyon back in the top and i see them hopefully they can uh make their way up a little bit farther. Trine University, that's a new one for me. Um, I'm going to have to look into them. They are... So they're... T okay, all these teams are 2-0. and What? Yeah, it's I'm like the top at... 18 that are 2-0 and at this point. Yeah, so looking at the stats, I'm trying to see like what makes the difference. I think they're all tied, to be honest. So they've all won their, their, first, their first matches. Yeah, I, I couldn't really figure out how the opponent's win rate and their win percentages are off. Because, I mean, you have teams that are 2-0, and but they have an 80% win rate. Uh, so I don't know how that really works out. Um, I think their, their win percentage, I believe, um, I think might be maps. So, like, uh, they, like, won, they won one map and then... Oh, that's right. It's best of three. Map, but, yeah. Best of three, yeah, yeah. That would so, make uh, sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they probably won a map, lost a map, and then won the, won the other map. But that would mean that that only happened for 
of the top 18 teams that are 2-0, and each one of them have only dropped one map in their two sets of best of threes. Instead of doing 2-1, yeah. 2-1. Two and one, two and one. Yeah, now that I bring that up, yeah, I only see, yeah. There's only one out of the top 10 teams. If we're just cutting it off at top 10 teams, only one. One team um, lost one map. And that's because their opponents are, were, I guess, a better winning rate. Because if you look at UC Irvine Blue, their opponent's win rate is 50%. While if you look at number four, Michigan Technical University Gold Team, they're at 41.5%. So it's it must be a tiebreaker um, constraint that's separating them that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, that makes a lot more sense because if you scroll down to the... Uh, to the later rankings, the latter rankings, um, like the 50% and the 60%, you know, they've got one win, one loss, so it makes sense map-wise. So I believe that's where, that's, that's where they cut it off, is the map wins. Okay, well, that clears it up a little bit more. But, I mean, as you would expect, your top 14 teams are showing a lot of 100% win rates, so we're going to hopefully see some of these teams clash over the next couple of weeks and just to really prove out who's going to be those top teams. Cause, and the thing about the phase one is that they're all randomly matched up. So you might get our Grand Canyon University or FIU or one of these top teams right now, they might get match made up against one of these other top teams that have gone 2-0 and are showing the, their strongest performance while the rest of them get teams who are seated like at the bottom like that it could be really unfortunate for some teams um to have to be relegated out of the premier league if they get randomly assigned against some of these better teams but the 208 teams i believe was the final count or 210 it's on the screen i can read it's going to be kind of crazy to try and figure out who the strongest teams are in just four weeks of play Obviously, you know, the amount of wins they have going into phase two is going to determine like how, how gen, you know, the general strength of the team. But phase two is really, really where we're going to see like these teams get put to the test is when they start getting put up against uh, teams of their of their same skill. We will see most of the premier teams and well, actually, you know, what, I could see. Yeah, I could see the top 16 of the 32 premier league teams yes i said those numbers right i will update you all on those in just a second but i could see at least 16 of that 32 going perfect record and then the rest of them having only dropped maybe one match in a uh, one to two loss not a o2 loss and that that o2 one two difference could be the difference between making it to premier league or not in one game yeah absolutely you're right i'll have to read back up on the rules who how many teams are going to make it into Premier League? Do you know? I do know. I actually got an update from XPR, the admin for Collegiate Rainbow Six. I got this today. So here's what he said. Due to the crazy size of the tournament, we have upped the amounts for League Tier. So CR6 Premier is now 32 teams instead of the original 16. CR6 Main is now 64 teams instead of 32. And CR still or CR six open still has infinite slots and nothing has changed for that section. But so there were two teams who were given buys out of phase one, which were University of Houston, the winners from last season, 
and runners-up Texas A&M. So those two teams, they don't have to participate for the first four weeks. They are two of those 32 teams that will be into the Premier League. And outside of that, move as we move out of the season play and into playoffs, all of Premier and the top 32 teams of Maine will be seeded into Premier playoffs. And the bottom 32 of Maine and the top 32 of the Open Division will be put into the Open playoffs. So we are getting two 64-team tournament brackets playoffs by the end of CR6 fall season. Oh, wow. Yeah, 128 teams of the 210 will be going into playoffs. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay, that makes sense. It is a lot of teams. teams. There's going to be a lot of games. And so if anyone has streaming, observing, commenting, or is interested in doing that, please reach out to Collegiate R6 so that we can get more coverage on these games, give Syntax and I more things to talk about, and of course the fans who are going to be watching on stream something to talk about and drop us feedback. So yes, there is going to be a lot of matches between now and the end of December, and then there's only going to be a few weeks off before I think last year they started the spring season in early February. Yeah, late February, I think, was when the spring season started. So there's going to be a short time frame in between the fall and the spring. And if if the, the league keeps growing as it, as it has, we might be looking at like 240 teams come the spring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I'm I'm actually interested to see like, like where it caps, like where they, they 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 say okay, like no more colleges can join, how much they can handle. I guess I guess they would have to start like a second league. You know, they'd have to expand their staff even more though, yeah. which would be a lot more money on their end. You know, I'm these next few weeks are gonna be really interesting because we're really gonna start to see like who's gonna be gunning for that Premier League and who we're gonna be who we're gonna be seeing in the Premier League. I think the next, within the next two weeks, we should see like probably like the top five teams after. Whoever ends up in the top five teams after these next two weeks, I think, or they're going to be like locked into the Premier League. Or we're going to see the other ones fight for the rest of the Premier League spots. So I'm really interested to see who, um, who gets to the top and who stays at the top. I mean, with only two more weeks of competition in phase one. And with luck and random draw being as favorable or as unfavorable as it can be, there's a potential that even these top 18 teams who are 2-0 and could be 4-0. and Yeah, absolutely. And So then you're looking at, kind of like what I was saying earlier, where more than half of the 32 teams going in would be could be a perfect record yeah there's there's definitely there's definitely a good chance that a lot of these that some of these teams probably a lot of these teams actually will probably go into the premier league with a perfect record and if i recall correctly which i'm probably not but the number's probably close in fall season of last year or spring of last year there were i want to say nine or ten teams who made it to week five undefeated we were one of them Yes, you were. Go A and M. Our only loss. Our only so, loss of the entire. Our only loss of the entire season was the grand finals loss. That was the only one. You did have a tie though. We did. We did have a tie, but it's not a loss. 
It's not a loss. We didn't, we didn't it's true. Lose. It's not a loss. Um, <laughs> I think we played every every team. A lot of the teams we played, I think they all wanted to take us to clubhouse for 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 whatever reason. Last season, we played a lot of clubhouse. We were undefeated on clubhouse the entire season. See, when when I see that or when I hear that a team, it's like trying to choose the same objective site three rounds in a row and just be like we're going to make this work it's like at some point you just gotta call it quits and be like they're good on that map they're good at that location we're going over here well it it also really tells you something too that all these teams that came after the first like to develop a pattern you know let's say let's say three teams you know every team after the first three teams we played in clubhouse didn't do their research you know like if i'm playing a team and i see that they've won on clubhouse seven times in a row I'm going to ban that. I'm, you know, map bans, that's the first ban. That's the first map I'm banning is is Clubhouse. Part of the unfortunate nature of how scattered the coverage was and something that I'm hoping to, that you and I can do a better job of this year is actually being able to display and talk about those map stats, be able to broadcast more of the information that teams in, say, in a pro league or any of the pro league have information on the other teams with 210 teams of different skill caliber players and no history on them it may have been impossible for any of those last three or four teams to even know that you guys were three and oh on clubhouse yeah that is true that is that's very true but i think if i remember correctly their last season there was a google spreadsheet that had after the the scores were posted it had the stat. It had stats of everything. You know, it had our win loss, and it had, I believe, the map we played on, and the the stats of each map we played on. So they definitely could have gone. You know, teams can definitely go into spreadsheets and into the end of that spreadsheet and, and take a gander at you know a lot of the stats that the teams. Okay, have done. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah, and you know that's. I didn't know if that was available for players. And that's what our team did, and that's why we, that's what we did as well as we did is because we, we did our research. You know put in the work yeah and i'm gonna say this as a piece of advice for a lot of you collegiate players out there don't 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 stream don't stream your scrims don't stream your practice don't stream if you feel like you want to save strats don't stream it because teams are going to find it like we did we found a lot of your guys's a lot of your guys's vods and we watched them it's <laughs> Just the name of the game, guys. So just be careful about what you stream. If you're going to stream an actual match, I would turn it on private after you're done, so that people know. Like, you can you can like I we we streamed a lot of the games that we played, but we 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 put them on private. I still had that vod to go back and watch, you know, and my teammates did as well, um, for just record. So either you use if if you want to. Um, like record your matches. I highly suggest using Nvidia Shadowplay so you don't have to stream it to keep your vods. But if you want to stream it, go ahead. Just just know the risks involved with that. I mean, popular streamers get stream sniped all the time. Hungry competitors are going to go to extreme lengths to get legitimate, credible, and fair information on their opponents. Yeah, it is totally fair. It's Everything up on on Twitch is is up for grabs as long as you don't stream snipe the other team. Obviously, guys, don't don't be that that team. But 
Yeah, and I mean, one thing that you had an advantage over is that, or it, it's actually, it's not an advantage. It's just that we're in a very different environment this time around. The prize pool, very different this time around. So, I mean, I, I don't know what you, I can't remember what the grand prize was for last season. Um, I believe it was DreamHack tickets and like some other stuff. But yeah, I get what you're trying to say. Like now that there is like a, a, a pretty, pretty solid prize, teams are going to do whatever is necessary to secure their wins for for each round. So with four Texas A&M teams being able to scrim against each other and practice and really I mean, I think what's going to happen is that those teams the B, C and D teams are going to learn more and grow more to come up to uh, come up to a different skill level, but that A team, they're just going to be grinding they're going to be practicing and stealing a lot of the same practice in themselves. They may not see as much of a bump in overall performance, but they will see the consistency and they'll see the teamwork and the communications really solidify. And that having three other teams that you can scrim against and you can put everything out on the table that you don't have to censor anything or hold strats or anything like that. Like now you have a very different scenario and a different environment for that team to train in or like UNC um, a and B team, 2-0, each of them are 2-0, and so you know that they're, they at least have some similar caliber of play between the two, and if they can grow off of each other, if both teams can sit down and be watching Pro League uh, matches, like they're going to be learning a whole lot more. 12 or 10 minds versus 5. That's going to be a big difference. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, another piece of advice for the, for the collegiate guys, um, Find find a team that you can scrim against. Find a team that you trust, and find a team that it's around your skill level. Don't don't go don't go finding a scrim partner that's super easy. You need to find a scrim partner that is either at or just above your skill level, um, and and scrim each other often. Um, practice, um, and and once you get to the point where you know you're you're beating, it doesn't matter like what map you're on, you're beating that scrim partner consistently. Find a new scrim partner. You 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 have to consistently have a a, a, a partner team that is at, at least at your skill level. Yeah, you don't want to be not learning in that time that you're dedicating. Like you might be getting some amount of performance increase between with your reaction or your immediate read on a situation, but you're not making it a team thing. You're not actually stressing yourself out. You're not putting in you're not putting in yourselves into situations where you're going to be when you play a better opponent. Mm -hmm. If you're just copping out and giving yourself a weak opponent. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's about it with collegiate, unless you just had something else. No, I'm good. We can move on. All right. This week in the pro league, we had some movement in who is going to Japan, who is not going to Japan and who is likely to be facing relegation coming up but not everything is set in stone but let me pull up the page and now what you can see is from yesterday's matches evil geniuses over space station gaming i was pulling for station space station gaming as i do um and i they never felt like they really got going they had moments and bosco had 
this tremendous like 180 shotgun from hiding behind the counter it it just looked so clean but you know he he had intel on where the guy was and he just blew him away and it was great to watch and that, that was like my most satisfying part from that game yeah i think this was the one match that i actually didn't catch was the ssg eg match i do know that eg needed this win and they got it which is really good for them because they only need one more win i believe they need one more win to secure their spot uh, and go into Pro League Finals in Japan. So, I think... I'm trying to figure out who they're next. I think they have one more play day. I'm trying to figure out who their next match is going to be against. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't track that down either. But yeah, Evil Geniuses is now up three points over Team Reciprocity. And EG has one more game to play. I think it's actually up against... No, it's not Dark Zero. It is. And it's oh, it is. Dark Zero on Monday, the 14th of October. So they have to win to clinch their spot because if Reciprocity... Reciprocity also has one more game. I don't know who they're playing. I think they're playing Space Station. Um, if I remember the casters right. But uh, Reciprocity um, needs a win. And Reciprocity then... is playing LG. Oh, LG. Okay. Yeah, so the matches that we have coming up on Monday... For NA is TSM and Rogue. TSM and Rogue is going to be a good one because we've got three teams right now that are fighting for, um, well, fighting against being in that relegation spot. Um, so two teams are going to be in relegation, um, and one team is going to be immune to that. And TSM, TSM, Rogue, and um, Sonics, I believe, are fighting. Um, to stay out of that relegation that relegation zone. So this TSM Rogue match is going to be a really good one because they're both going to be trying their 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 damnedest to uh to take that win, get out of that relegation spot. Is Sonics out of the threat? Because if they're up against Space Station and Space Station is out of threat, but say Sonics wins, but then Rogue loses to TSM, does that put? rogue in the bottom spot or is that still are they both still in the bottom two let me look at the standings real quick sonics is going to be in relegation no matter what unfortunately for them um but they just got out i know i know they just got into pro league and it looks like they it's a possibility they might get relegated into into seal but that's another story so sonics right now currently has eight points if they win their if they win their next game against uh space station right yeah. yeah if they win their next game they'll have 12 points no oh, 11 points i'm sorry yeah they'll have 11 points and they'll, they'll still be behind tsm and rogue assuming even they if tsm it's not even possible because tsm and rogue are playing each other one team is one team's gonna win one team's gonna lose or they both or they or they tie regardless of the outcome sonics is is staying at the bottom so they're going to be in that relegation spot. If um, TSM and Rogue tie, what's the tiebreaker? I think it'll be... So, like, right now, the TSM and Rogue are already tied, right? But this, it's, it's, it's the win-loss. It's the round differential is what separates gotcha. them. So whoever comes out, if they do tie this next game, they both end up with 13 points. It'll come down to the round differential that'll determine who who stays above and who doesn't so got it but back to this week's action as much as we now know the bottom part of the league 
space station gaming is out of threat of being relegated, but they are most certainly not going to Japan. Yes. Um, I believe all of the teams, starting from Luminosity and below, none of them are going to Japan. LG is not going to Japan. I believe Space Station isn't. Yeah, and then the last three aren't as well. So, It's um, down to Dark Zero and Reciprocity to figure out that second spot. Mm-hmm. And so Dark Zero will be playing Evil Geniuses. Evil Geniuses has a three-point lead over Reciprocity. If they can't win, but Reciprocity, Reciprocity does, we then are looking at a tiebreaker set to figure out that second seed. Dark Zero full-on clinched their position as number one and going to Japan this week on, I think it was actually Monday that they, it was decided. Yeah, yeah, they're, uh, all they needed was a tie um, to, sec- to secure their spot. Even if they lost... Um, it was against Space Station too, so like it's not like they had. It's not like they were up against EG or uh, Reciprocity, who were up into that moment. And the thing about that match is, a lot of people were like, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was, I was reading chat as the match was going on. People were like, oh, like DZ's throwing, blah blah blah. It's like, guys, you don't understand. All they needed was a tie to secure their spot to go to Japan. I doubt they were trying very hard. It was it you was know, it was it was an okay game. It was an okay match. It was, it was clear that they weren't sandbagging. Yeah, they weren't they weren't throwing, but they weren't like they 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 weren't trying their best, you know? Like they lost around, it's like, "Oh well, you know, okay. All they needed was <laughs> all they needed was a tie." So then they got it. So they're going to Japan. And congrats to them. It wasn't that long ago that they were in dire straits shortly before Christian joined the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the here's the thing about Dark Zero. They're really they're a really good online team and they can, they're consistently at the top of Pro League. It's it's land that is where it kind of hits them hard. I don't know what it is, maybe it's land experience is where it gets them because as you guys know like when you're playing online you have your you're on your own you're on your own computer you know you have your own settings and all this stuff but when you get to land everyone's the same everyone has the same computer everyone has the same you know settings uh the only thing that's different is everyone has their own keyboard and mouse that's it and zero latency can be a real player in in yeah. that but then also you're in an entirely different environment you're up on stage eventually um mm-hmm. and then you're in an entirely different culture i mean as much as they're probably relegated to just their hotel rooms and the arena where they're going to be playing it's still a very different experience they, they'll they go out for dinner and everything i'm sure they'll have helped being toured around and all that but it's still a very different experience and then jet lag depending on how early they're able to get there and then adjust to all that there is going to be a lot of differences for that. And across every major esport, you hear about players who are teams who have no land experience or only a little bit of land experience. And so when some of those almost Cinderella story teams end up making it to land, they almost never do well because it's such a different environment. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And uh, this season, actually, there has been one exception to that rule. TSM. TSM has been kind of a backwards team lately. Um, especially at the start of the season, 
they were not doing well online at all. But they did exceptionally well at whatever land they went to. I forgot the first land they went to. Um, well, regardless, you know, they if you go look up the stats uh, of TSM, they they have they have done extremely well at every single land they've they've been to, and even the latest one they've been to, DreamHack Montreal, they won. And look at this, look at where they are in in pro league right now. They're at the bottom, you know, second to last. But they they went at risk of being relegated. Yeah, and they went and won DreamHack Montreal, whereas the other teams didn't even get close. So that just it just goes to show, you know, it, it's it's a it, these two playing fields are totally different. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see. I think once DZ gets a little bit more experience, um, I think they're gonna start doing really well at LAN. And that's honestly what I've kind of chalked it up to is, is LAN experience is why they haven't been doing well. And it's just a mental thing. And I think a lot of the I think LAN like especially like like losing or just not generally just not doing well at land it, it really hits people hard because you know you got people there like watching you supporting you you know they're they're there to watch you do really good and a lot of these teams like you know they lose the first map and they feel like they're letting everyone down and it hits them really hard and that's 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 when they lose is because they the moment the moment you lose that that mental that positive mental attitude you've lost the you've lost the game and so i these these good these really good land players are the people who tune out everything except for the game and win or you know win or lose they 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 keep the same mental attitude and that's that's what drive that's what drives victory at land being able to maintain that mental focus like i come from more of a traditional sport background but i mean when you're playing like baseball for me that mental game is so incredibly important and being able to be present every single minute of every single match in a game like r6 that's got to be taxing and exhausting and when you're talking playing against the best of the best that you are likely to play with in a reasonable uh environment like you are going to be stressed and that's going to be like I said, exhausting. So it's it's incredible to see that these teams can go to events like that and then succeed and thrive and really be able to push boundaries, but then not being able to see them. Maybe they're too comfortable when they're playing online. Like maybe that's a thing, but that's that's it's got to be encouraging to see that when you're in the highest stress situations that your team comes through. You you were you mentioned their history and it's. June 16th of this year, they signed Accelerate Gaming roster to TSM, which included uh, Bolo and Merck. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, they were first in U.S. National Stage 2 Western Qualifier back in June. Yeah, that's the one that they I was were thinking f- of. That's the first land. They were fifth through eighth in the DreamHack Valencia, but they still made it mm-hmm. to DreamHack Valencia. They were first place in the qualifier qualifier for the six major 2019 North America. They were second place U.S. Nationals Stage 2 Western Conference. They were fifth through eighth at Raleigh. And then they come back around to win DreamHack Montreal. Like, they have, a, and like you were saying, qualifiers and LAN events 
they do well. I mean, fifth through eighth isn't anything. I mean, if I'm remembering, they have what twelve, twelve teams usually go to the land. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. But yeah, like, and also, and T- TSM has just proven that they are just really good at um, best of ones. For some reason, they're just they're just really good at them and put them in a best of three and they 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 lose steam really quickly but they've actually turned that around and they've actually been doing really well so i'm excited to see like how how they just improve from here on out now one thing that we talked about a little bit last week it was at the very tail end and it was it's just entirely a personal preference and how we discussed it last week ties i'm i love them because i think that they're dramatic for the underdog perspective but the payoff at usual is not that great, as you pointed out last week. But I do want to say these last few weeks or these last few play days are a lot more exciting because that option of a tie really can throw off how these teams going into relegation get there or who's vying for second and third kind of deal. If we didn't have ties, I think you would see a very clear delineation of where the skill gap really breaks down and that it might even make it so that first and second are completely unapproachable or seventh and eighth are have no hope of getting out and it's just determined that there's no hope they might as well just do relegation right now like halfway through the season yeah you know honestly you know regardless of the fact that i hate ties i absolutely despise them they're they're necessary because they they more accurately separate the scores i guess and if there wasn't any ties this yeah like you're saying this the scores would be a lot more dramatic um and change and the ties is the ties are kind of like um like a field goal football you know it gives you a little bit more points you know it's also good mentally on the teams because like it's it's they're they're like okay you know we're at least we can you know not lose you know we can get a tie and I, you know that that allows the team to keep trying instead of just kind of giving up. You know, if they're if they're down if they're down so many rounds and they know that they're going to lose no matter what they do, you know that they're, they're going to give up. You know, and I think ties at least uh, give them that that last bit of steam to try and you know bring it home. Yeah, and I mean I'm I'm going to go back to my history of watching Heroes of the Storm professional league. I, it's been long enough. I've even forgotten what they called it sad but uh that league it was always best of three you won you lost and what we saw is that the teams who just come out of the qualifiers and amateur league to graduate to try and get into the pro league they would it was usually a 50 50 trade two teams going in and two teams going out it was one 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 loss kind of thing or neither team was relegated out but those two teams who were in the relegation slot they were basically there the entire season like we're talking like one two maybe three wins and as soon as you see them going oh and six and it's just like okay well we know who's not going to be here next season or we know who's absolutely going to have to go into the whatever they called it the gauntlet of qualifier not being relegated yeah you know and um i was thinking about the whole best of ones and best of threes difference between online and lands and 
lands are also really tough. On 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 back on the subject of lands. Sorry if I got off track. Lands can be really tough mentally. Also, it can be it. Not necessarily tough, but it's mentally draining because, especially like in group stages, matches can go on all day. And some of you are thinking, well, that's not that bad. Like, I play Siege all day anyways. You, you're not playing competitive Siege all day. You gotta realize something. You're playing in a best of three, or even a best of, a best of one, best of five, um, can last a while. You know, our... For example, our grand finals match against University of Houston last season was a best of five. Um, we started at, I think it was 7 or 8 p.m. We didn't get done until 1 a.m. in a best of five. So just, so just think about that. Um, you've, got, you've got teams like, um, also for example, uh, Raleigh, group stages. Uh, I was talking to some guys that, uh, at the DZ or uh, Dark Zero, and they're like, "Dude, I'm so tired." And I'm like, "Why?" You know, they're they're just like, "We, we played from, we played from, like, 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. straight, like nonstop." It, that's gotta be that's gotta be incredibly draining, you know. By by that last match, you've lost all your steam, and like, God forbid it be an important match you know if your last match of the day is super important and now you're just you're just drained and that other team has had a break you know that's it's it's tough you know um you see it every in every major tournament like i'll I'll go back to the international when you figure out who the who the the winner of the losers bracket is it's the last match two days before the grand finals or a day before the grand finals. It's not immediately the next day, but it's whoever run makes that run in the losers bracket. Chances are they played two or three best of three sets in a single day. And when you're looking at rainbow six, any game where you have to play for 12 hours, it's going to be exhausting. I mean, most teams even start losing gas when they have to be when they asked to, when they're asked to play like a best of five because it's a, such a different format you're getting even more opportunity to re, get a read on your opponents and if you're not changing maps like there's a storm or like in rainbow six it's even more opportunity to get a read on your opponents and see where their mental state is and each one of those wins can be devastating and really just tilt someone you see it all the time but yeah, when when you extend your sets by two more games potentially by hours and having to watch as well and process what you're seeing, you're going to be done by the end of that day. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's rough. I honestly I couldn't even imagine myself playing playing that long. You know, uh, just that that one best of five that I did against against University of Houston. Like that was. <laughs> that was rough like at, at, by by you know by the time 1 a.m rolled around like i was and not not because it was late you know it was just because i was i was just tired i was just mentally tired um and i just wanted to get it over with at that point you know imagine you know it's like imagine running a mile you know and afterwards your coach is like okay 
go run another mile. You're just like, crap. You know, that's, that's pretty much how it is. Go run another mile. And if it's not a better time than the first one, run another yeah, exactly. mile. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, that kind of wraps up the Pro League discussion. But there was one moment in the Team Reciprocity Dark Zero uh, matchup. It was the very last round, round 12 on Cafe. Um, no, Cafe. What was it? Uh, I think it was Cafe. Regardless, there was a moment where Mint was not droned out. And it was, I mean, it's round 12. And drone went in and it kind of surveyed the area, but it didn't check exactly where Mint was. And he was just right around the corner of this one pillar. And it was just amazing that he wasn't seen. Like the casters even called it out. He was literally inches away from being scouted out. But because he wasn't, Mint ended up getting a triple kill. Just back to back, and then wait another minute, get some intel, and got a third third one. And his his buddy who was still up ended up closing out the round because they already knew where the last guy was. But because of that one position, the three kills that came from it, because intel wasn't properly scouted for, it changed the whole course of that final round. It was that was the round that gave the tie to reciprocity or to dark zero. And so if they hadn't tied, Reciprocity would have already been tied or would have been ahead of EG going into Wednesday's game where then EG then tied it up in points. So that one drone, missed drone, at the, on the very last round to give you the points to be able to say no second place is ours is what cost them. That was just insane. And so I, I'll put in the clip link into the show notes i forgot who actually clipped it because i forgot to but i will give credit to that person in the show notes so uh from your perspective given the complexity of the maps what's going through a player's head when you're on that timer to get the intel and being able to execute a plan how how do you gain confidence in what intel you do have and not just question it along the way like if it was, it's just not checking a single corner by a fraction of an inch. Like, how do you, how do you negotiate that in the future and make sure that you're not wasting too much time with additional droning that is unnecessary? Um, sometimes it's just a calculated risk. Uh, sometimes when you're you're low on time and you've droned everything you can, you take those calculated risks and you know it's exactly what it is. It's a risk, and they took that risk. And they lost it, so it's just it's just unfortunate, and it, and it happens from time to time. Well, the more I think about it, that was more and more juicy, and probably my favorite play of the week. Of just it was a mistake, but then that mistake was still capitalized on. It was still it turned into a big move. Even if if it was just one kill in a trade with Mint. That's that's a negotiable thing, and that's something that reciprocity could have overcome. But three K and your last one with the diffuser steps on a legion mine, and you're completely given away, and there's like two seconds left. You know that the diffuser has to go down, otherwise the match is over, and it, you're painted into a corner. And honestly, that's 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 how you can tell who is 
the this who is an, an incredibly intelligent player versus somebody who is um not i guess is somebody who can who take instant information and exploit it on the on the spot and that's exactly what he does is he he knows that they made a mistake and he uses that against them to the to the fullest extent yeah and i mean it's also kind of luck of the draw too i mean i believe he ended up gunning someone down in the back the second of the three kill and then he had information that gave him the position of the third, which he wallbanged through the pillar that he was at. So he was able to capitalize on other aspects of what his team also brought to him. But it was also based on the mistake that was made to not explicitly check that corner. If they knew he was there, the value of his position just goes out the door. I mean, he was trapped. I don't believe that there was a way out for him. So it was, that in itself was a calculated mm-hmm. risk. Yeah, uh, honestly, they they both took a risk with doing what they were doing. You said it was Mint, right? Yeah, Mint Mint sitting in that corner. He was he was hoping that he wasn't going to get droned out, and if he did, he was kind of screwed. And they took a risk of not checking that corner, and Mint Mint knew the instant it happened that they didn't know he was there, and he took advantage of it. Because I think that's what he was hoping for, was that they might they might either just miss him or not bother to check that corner because of the time limit, and they didn't, and so he took it he took immediate advantage of that. It was it was just a, a great thing to watch. Yeah, that was the play. It was it was defining. It had a dramatic impact on the overall rest of the season. The next gameplay matches for reciprocity and evil geniuses that 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 one round that didn't even involve evil geniuses set up by all the ties of the season that one round actually had a mm-hmm. dramatic impact on things and in, when you can look at a single round and see the the macro impact of it as well as the micro in that individual matchup like yeah. it's that's what i love about siege competitive siege when i go into my cluster truck of uh public games boy you get to see all sorts of mistakes so pro league yes my games no outside of that i mean droning is one of those things that i know i'm not appropriately doing and i'm not like getting the most value out of it and in fact i think most people end up just driving their drones around scouting the enemy team and just sacrificing it to get shot anyways not thinking about the long-term gameplay impact that it could have or not realizing that's kind of that next step of how to play Siege right. What tips do you have about droning? Because I usually play Twitch. I usually end up trying to save my drones for later in the match when I know who the other operators are, trying to think about how can I get rid of those things. So any of the bandits, bandit stuff or Cade traps, all of that kind of stuff, like... That's how I use Twitch, and I think that's how other people use Twitch. But the base drones, what are what are some of those tips? So the term we like to use is, is drone economy, right? So when it comes to drone economy, if you know where the site is, if somebody finds the site, don't don't waste your drone. If you know where the site is, go put your drone in a, fl- a flank watch. If you know where if if you know where you want to enter the building, put your drone in that spot so when you enter the building you already have a drone watching it um 
a lot of people, you know, get their drone shot and then they go to enter a building and then they have to sit there and take the time, throw the drone, go in, you know, drone it out. But if you if you save your drone, you can you can use that first drone as a flank watch. Watch your own flank. You know, I tell everyone, especially the people who who solo queue and ranked, your drone is your is your is your best teammate. It's plain and simple. Most of the time, your teammates won't talk to you. They won't care. They won't make a call out. Your drone is your best friend. Um, so, so keep them and, and and don't don't waste them because it's it's vital stuff. I can't tell you the number of times I've gone into like I'll get killed, taken out of the round, and we have five drones still up. Three of them are facing a wall. The other one's staring at the back of a broken vase, and then the fifth one is in such an obvious spot. It's just in time to switch to it that you see it one of the, your opponents come up and just pop it and you're back at staring at the wall. I wish I could do something about those drones that are staring at a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and also if you, if you, in the, in the prep phase, if you have your drone and you know, we're going to enter and you know that it's not necessary to keep a drone there. Cause you, you know, another teammate has a drone there or whatever, just drive it outside. And then, and when you spawn in pocket it, so now you have two pocketed drones. Um, another a good use of drones is, you know, if your team if if you do have teammates that talk, and like it's like maybe you and another person alive, and the rest of the team is dead, you can throw that drone. And be like, okay, you know, you're you're attacking from somewhere, but you know your entire back is exposed. So what you do is you throw the drone. Tell your teammate, hey, watch this drone for me. Now you've got a flank watch. You know, without having a, a teammate that's alive to watch your flank, you can just watch that camera. You plant, you know, you plant the diffuser. You got a pocketed drone. Throw the drone, watch the diffuser, and you don't have to sit in harm's way watching it. You can sit around a corner or up in the roof, you know, wherever it is. You know, you can watch the drone when they start diffusing and go kill them instead of having to expose yourself to check if they're diffusing. Those two minutes of tips will probably end up saving me. A handful of rounds over the next week, so I appreciate that. And now we head into some of the final playdays of Season 10 before we go to Japan. So that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. If you had to pick who's going in second, the Evil Geniuses or Reciprocity? Honestly, man, it's kind of hard to say. To be honest, I would like to see Team Reciprocity make it to Japan because I have not seen much of them this season except for, you know, play day matches. A lot of lands, I haven't seen them at. Um, I really want to see them in land, because I want to see how they do. Evil Geniuses, uh, you see them all the time. It's kind of old, in my opinion. You know, I want, I want, to, see, I want to see Wreck get in there and, and do some damage. So, But wouldn't you like to see some EG just kick around some EU teams? I, I think EG is a little overrated, if you ask me. But True I, Colors I, show. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I just like to watch these other teams come in and, and yeah, do no, I, I agree. I, yeah, I, I want to see reciprocity just the same, but with EG's track record at LAN and being able to see some of those results, and I agree, it may not be the most spicy play, and you kind of know what you're getting at this pl- at this point, but I, I still have some of that EU and a rivalry ready to go, and it's like I don't care who goes, I just want them to make it out of out of that first group and in, into some enemy territory. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And to be honest, I think the teams that I would like to see go kick around uh, some EU teams would be 
Um, obviously DC. I'm a DC fan, but the two other teams would be either Space Station or TSM. I, I really like TSM, and I, I really want them to stay in Pro League, and I want them to improve because it's they they are improving. You know, they were. I think they had the lowest round differential in Pro League at one point, and now they're not. I mean, they're second to last, but the fact that they dug themselves out of that hole is pretty impressive. They're slow to start, but I think I they're 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 chugging along pretty fast, and I can't wait to see them next season. They get a fresh start now that they've improved to see how they kind of stand up to the uh, to the rest of the pro league. Yes, next season. There is always next season unless you're relegated, which would be a devastating blow to TSM as the roster. But then, I mean, TSM as a team, as an organization, to have one of their teams relegated, I think, I think that means like an almost immediate and harsh roster apocalypse. And that's another that's another conversation is is relegations. And if I'm going to be totally honest, I think the only team that I could see even like regardless of who gets into the relegation spots, you know, if they get into the relegation spots, you know, those seal teams still have to beat the pro league teams to get into pro league, right? I the only team that I can see even losing a relegation match is is the Sonics. And TSM and Rogue, honestly, they would beat any any of the CL teams uh, currently in NA right now, and that's just the truth of the matter. So even if one of those teams get into relegation spots, the only team who has even a chance of losing their PL spot would be would be Sonics. And they just came from there, so they're they basically have the same amount of growth opportunity as the teams that they just beat to get into the pro league. So. Really, hopefully not much has changed between when they were in the Challenger League and when they moved up to Pro League. So even then, that puts Sonics in a pretty good spot. The amount of things that they learned and they grew into over their time in the Pro League, that's going to be way more valuable than the experience that the other Challenger League teams just went through to get that opportunity to come up and challenge them. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm trying to think... I'm not too familiar with the SEAL teams. Um, let's see. I think you can look them up. SEAL Challenger League, here we go. Uh, let's go to we have standings for Challenger League. Okay, so we've got Shrug, uh, Akatsuki. Actually, I think Akatsuki is now... Yeah, Akatsuki is no more. So, I think they disbanded, and I think some of those guys went to Obey Alliance. Because I remember that, because I think Abunai is one of the players on Akatsuki. And he went to, uh, he's now playing for Obey. You've got Orglist, Two-Faced, Disrupt, and Adventure Force. And honestly, all these teams are, are pretty good. Um, I think the only team that I could see winning a relegation match or having a chance of winning a relegation match would be two-faced and ironically so on dark zero you have nyx right nyx's dad is an analyst and he's actually two-faced analyst well that's just not fair <laughs> um <laughs> now i don't that's know incredible, though. yeah it's funny i i didn't even know i didn't even know that i didn't i i think it's pretty awesome that 
Nix's father is so involved in in the video game world and that he's actually a, a challenger league analyst like I'd, 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 I didn't know that for a long time that is a fun fact so so we have challenger league matches presumably coming up or the relegation matches coming up in the next couple of weeks I need to look down the schedule but in the meantime we look forward to finding out who that second seed is going to Japan starting on Monday it's like Monday afternoon. Monday yeah. the 14th, right? Yep. Yeah. So we will have to see how that goes. Uh, did you have any last words of wisdom or where people can follow you and keep track of what you've been up to? No, I don't think I have any last remarks as far as where to find me. The usual. I believe you can see my my Twitter app right there at SyntexGG. Um my YouTube. If you if you want any more tips and tricks on how to be a better siege player, actually run a YouTube channel that that does that. It's at YouTube.com/slash syntax underscore gg. And then um, my Twitch is also uh, Twitch slash syntax underscore gg. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this is now its own separate podcast, so you can leave messages and follow along with specifically Rainbow Six Siege related content at anchor.fm slash check your six slash message if you want to leave a message slash support if you want to support the podcast and all of this is just going to be going out so whatever you see here will be heard on Friday or Saturday when I edit this down and get it uploaded there so until then enjoy the VOD Afterwards, you can always reach me on pretty much every social media out there. I believe in even Ubisoft, if you want to play some Rainbow Six with me, at Orlock Recall. All one word, for the most part. It doesn't matter. And I see in chat, Kevlar, Kevlar lives. Yes, we do take questions. If you go to the address that I just mentioned, anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot com, or eh, anchor.fm slash check your the number six you will be able to find a, a button that says leave a message and i will incorporate your messages into the podcast where syntax and i will both be um answering them and addressing them well that's it for me i will see you all next week with check your six new episode that next next thursday starting 8 30 pdt and we'll discuss all of week two in CR6 and the start of week three and see where we are looking for getting out of phase one and who's going to make it into those top 32 premier spots. Yeah, I'm excited. Later, everyone. And thank you, Syntax, for joining me. No problem. Later, guys.